This podcast is brought to you by Airdesk, IT support for your home and business. To give your business a help desk, visit Airdesk.online or search Airdesk support. Hello and welcome to the Tech Authority Podcast. I'm Andrew Brown, your host. Today, we're going to be continuing the conversation with Craig Pitts around how to protect your identity online. Here it is. So as we're talking about devices, Fitbits and health monitors and all sorts of stuff, they're collecting a lot of information and uh, it's interesting to see how much data they're actually capturing. Where do they host all this stuff? Obviously, they've got to put it on servers around the world, but it's also got to be easily accessible too. Yeah, and look, you know, um, places or companies like Fitbit or other health monitors like Garmin or any other ones, uh, they they all do have the same sort of scenario. So uh, there's a trust relationship that you have with them. Uh, when you buy the device, you know, you're going to pump in a lot of personal information there. It's going to monitor your heart rate, probably monitor your, your pulse and all these sort of things, blood pressure. And you want to make sure that, you know, when you put your data into there, it's secure. So you know, make sure you use a sufficiently complex password because, you know, the data is not stored on the device. The data is stored on a cloud service somewhere. And you can go in there and have a look, see how much healthier you are today than you were a week ago, uh, or conversely, how much you haven't got healthier. <laughs> and, and you know, you want to make sure that your password is sufficiently secure and, you know, that that data is protected. You know, it's not unlike, you know, Medicare for Australia or other, you know, health systems that are around. You know, you want that information to remain confidential to you um, unless you do want to share it with people and you know that's things like Fitbit don't generally share the data with other people uh, that you specify they don't have that option but at the same time you want to make sure your data that's there is actually safe and secure. Yeah that makes sense and once they have it up on their server who owns that? Well that's that's an interesting question I mean it's the you sign, generally the small print is what you want to read. Um, some companies will tell you that you own the data and that's great. Uh, other companies may do something called anonymizing the data, which means they strip out your location and your age and these sort of things, the things that personally identify you. And then they may actually reuse that data for research or marketing or comparison type activities. So um, you may find that the data you're contributing uh, may not end up being something that you have absolute control over. And I think that's, again, the terms and conditions typically lay that out. And a lot of the legalities actually come back to where the data resides. It might sit in another country, not Australia, for example, for us, but it may sit in America on a, on a company systems or Europe or potentially multiple locations around the world. And from a legal perspective, that may mean that different boundaries where your data sits can let the company that's running the system actually do different things with your data. So again, a lot of that's fine print. Just be sure that you're comfortable with that data being out there and that if it does get used, that you're not going to be uh, otherwise put out by the situation. But certainly read the fine print, which I know is very unexciting, but when it comes to your personal data, if you consider all the things you're putting into your data, things like flybys, or Woolworths rewards, or Coles rewards, or any of those things, uh, all of that data can be used to form up a picture of uh, you as a consumer and you as uh, a person and how you operate. 
that makes a lot of sense because it's interesting when you have a lot of companies under one banner. For yeah. example, if you're a person who likes to go to Bunnings Hardware quite a lot, mm-hmm. you're also probably going to get ads on your computer for other types of things that they have under the same banner. So Bunnings is owned by West Farmers and mm-hmm. they also own Coles, Officeworks, Geeks to You, and potentially you could get ads from all of those things because they know who you are as a customer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you've got Kmart and Liquorland as well under the same banner for Wes Farmers. And, you know, you can't really even go to Coles and, and print out your daily docket of shopping without getting a, an offer on the bottom of that from Liquorland. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is all very much working together to, you know, from a company perspective, to offer you the best of what you would like and what it sees you purchasing so that you can see what's maybe on sale that week or something that's like that that might really work for you. But at the end of the day, they're not magically drawn out of a hat. That's most of that data has been put together based on, you know, either people like you uh, that buy the same sort of things you do or, or do the same sort of things you do um, or, you know, who shop at the same time as you do or based on your age or your sex or your demographic or whatever it might be. Um, this is all, you know, targeted advertising and, and that's where, the, the data that you put into these systems helps the systems drive content back towards you. And, and I think that's where, as I said earlier, you need to be comfortable that the data that you are putting into these systems um, is something that you would otherwise be okay putting on the front of the, you know, the, the six o'clock news or on the front, the headlines on tomorrow morning's newspaper. Uh, if it's not, then you probably want to think twice about that. Yeah. And it's, it's funny when, you're looking at software agreements and things like that. It's the same deal. Mm. Anytime that you're installing software, they'll give you a whole bunch of fine print. And, of course, most people just go, yep, I agree, click next and install yeah. without even I thinking about the I didn't, I didn't read the, the 200 pages of fine print. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it happens in IT all the time because you know yeah. that, okay, we're just installing the software, who cares? But... I don't think anyone really goes through the fine print and reads it anyway. No, no. I mean, if you if you read the fine print for mobile phones, um, you probably wouldn't buy one when you realise, you know, it's the mobile phone has the ability to track wherever you are. The mobile phone will, will monitor your call, uh, when you made the call, when you hung up the call and who you called, you know, how long it went for. Uh, you've got the GPS on your phone that will tell you where you are. You, you know, you have cell towers that are used to help triangulate and find you in the need of an emergency you know all of these sort of things let alone the app data that you're actually pumping into them that always wants to see every one of your contacts or always wants to see your camera and microphone and history you know if you actually start looking closer at all of this stuff um, you can certainly start to get a tinfoil hat on and get get a little bit too skeptical Um, but I guess you know it's taking it um, within reason and understanding that um, you know, there's a certain amount of data that, that you can freely give away and whatever you're comfortable with. And if you also consider that what you do in the rest of your life, uh, some of these things, you know, it's, it's a case of you're already giving away most of this information anyway. So this isn't a huge step forward. No, that's right. And it's just a matter of making sure that you know what's on it. Have a look at the information and check it all out. Now, the interesting thing now is that homes are becoming more connected Very than much. what they have been before. Um, 
We've got coffee machines, Coke machines, all sorts of things, doorbells, fire alarms, door locks, intercoms, smart house hubs, lights, aircon, heating, anything that can be put on a relay switch, Alexa, Siri, TVs, baby cams, all sorts of things. All can be yep. put on the internet, like right now, and be viewed potentially. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, as a as a person buying them for a situation, invariably it's for our convenience. Um, I know you see a lot of a lot of the the home style shows selling dog treat machines that you can have a camera to watch your pet at home and issue it a dog treat and talk to it through a, through a speaker. And, you know, that's obviously targeted at, at, a, at a dog or a cat owner that wants to, is very passionate about their pet and they want to make sure that they can see it safe during the day. But reality is you've, you've, you've got the um, internet-connected camera and microphone and speaker in the home that if it's hacked, people can actually see if you're home or not. So, and that's similar, that actually happened with baby monitors a couple of years ago where generic passwords for online baby cameras were discovered and a backdoor was, was implemented and people were able to look at baby cameras globally and for that, mon- for that brand anyway. And, and similarly, we saw something similar with um, people breaching the ring doorbell system as well. So, you know, these, these sort of things are out there, they're happening. And it's really probably the question as an owner that you really want to ask yourself is just how much do I need it to be online? Because uh, your home is obviously something that you either live at on a regular basis, as we all have recently through the pandemic. We've lived here constantly. Um, but when we're at work, when we're back at work at an office and these sorts of things, um, we want to ensure our home is secure. And if there's an easy way for crooks or criminals to see that you're not at home, then that provides an opportunity for other issues. So uh, I think it's, it's one of those things. We need to be mindful of what we put out online when it comes to those things. You know, not everyone wants to have a, a live video camera pointing at them in every room of a house. Um, so you you know, do we really want that? Do we, do we really want that? Do you need it? And, you know, if the answer is still yes, we absolutely do, then perhaps, you know, there's the more secure way to, to get connected to your home through something like a VPN into your home uh, that you can then be on the inside of your network and actually look at the cameras from inside your network rather than sending all the camera information to a cloud-based provider mm-hmm. and, and relying on uh, a password or the service or the vendor to provide all of the security there. So I guess it's, it comes down to how, how much you're willing to trade a little bit of safety for a little bit of security and a little bit of convenience. Yeah, and, and live streaming is one of those things that a lot of people like to do now. Even inside of their home, they're happy to put on their live streaming camera directly onto Facebook and see exactly mm. where you're located. Uh, this is all tracked too, isn't it, on Facebook from, this, from their end too? Yeah, well, I mean, it's Facebook's Facebook. Like like any company, you know, if, if it's the old story of if the product is free, then you are the product. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, you don't pay for Facebook, uh, but somehow Facebook make money. How does that happen, I wonder? So, you know, the, it, it's a case that, you know, again, it's more about the idea of the camera itself uh, and your security. So, again, if you're 
comfortable with giving up your privacy, um, then you know the IP address of of where your camera is is going to tell someone where you are roughly. So um, yeah, it, it's it makes things um, a little bit. Uh, I, I guess for me, a little bit too too revealing, a little bit too close for comfort. Um, but then again, I'm also one of these people that doesn't own an, an Alexa or a Siri, a Google Home or, or an Apple T, Apple Home or any of those guys because, you know, I I don't really like the idea of something constantly listening in on my conversations and then making suggestions when I don't even ask it to. Yeah, and if they start turning on and talking back to you while you're not even wanting it to turn on, like if you had a discussion on the phone and it automatically starts to pick up what you're doing, and it becomes a bit more of a problem, you would think. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've been on, on teleconferences and, and people's Alexas have gone off in the background and they've just been talking about something completely different. And, um, you know, they sort of have to go, oh, no, 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 I don't, don't want a song to start playing. <laughs> it's like, well, we weren't really talking about music at all. But, you know, these things are obviously, you know, doing automatic, automatic AI scans of the language that's being listened to. And, you know, there are some situations where if it can't interpret, it'll go off for manual review. So you actually have people listening to the conversation to do the review. Yeah. And that becomes a bit of a problem too, doesn't it? Because your well, data is being listened to somebody there. else. Absolutely. Thanks, Craig, for your valuable insight. We'll continue the conversation next Monday. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another podcast episode. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Airdesk, IT support for your home and business. To give your business a help desk, visit airdesk.online or search Airdesk support.